want to really appreciate my ministry team that God has given me, Brother Miller, Brother DeMuth, amen, and their families, amen. And so I'm so thankful that God has sent help, amen. I really come to appreciate this brother over the years and to know him, amen, fellow soldier, fellow minister, and all that, amen. So, Brother DeMuth, we want you to come and take your liberty in the Lord this morning. God bless Brother DeMuth. out of the waters of baptism in Jesus' name. They asked me to, we didn't have a microphone or speakers, we were out at the seawall, but they just looked at me and said, how do you feel? And I, I was speechless, I was just like that. It was, words still cannot describe, I was sharing with her on Monday, words, I still can't come up with the words to really say what it felt like to come out of those waters. And I, I wrestled with that and I struggled because I wasn't raised this way. And it finally came down to, okay, I've got to do this so I know. One way or the other, if it's right or if it's wrong. And the minute I came out of that water, I knew. I don't know if anybody can relate to what I'm saying, but I knew the minute I came out of that water in Jesus' name, something was different. And it's been different ever since. I guess I should use this mic. (laughs) Maybe I should start using that lapel mic. Get my hands free. Hallelujah. Amen. But it is so exciting. Amen. I was sharing with somebody on Monday. To me, it's like going to the doctor, to the hospital when your son or your ch- your child is being born. To me, that's how I see it. A, a new baby is being born. And I remember the excitement of watching both of my sons being born and, and tears came to my eyes when I saw that. I thought, wow, what an amazing thing. And God does that to us. He really does something to us. Man, we don't just go down a dry center and come up a wet center. Amen. We're changed. Amen. We're changed. So it's just, it's not over, Sister Vicki. It's just starting. (laughs) That won't be the last time you're asked to testify. (laughs) So you better start working on something. (laughs) It'll come to a point where you won't even... You have to be asked. You'll want to stand up and just give good God all the glory. Amen. It'll come. So good to have, you know, see babies born into the kingdom. That's what it's all about. Amen. We're not coming to church every day just to see one another. That's what it's all about right there. Amen. And so, amen, I wanted to minister to you this morning. And if we could... Um, the presence of God is already, I can already feel the presence of God here, but I would like it if we could just pray. And and I'm not going to put a, a cap on this, but I just feel like we need to pray. Amen. Whatever you feel to pray, but I just feel like we need to pray every hindrance, every spirit that's tried to come in here. You know, the devil, if you didn't know this, he he, he likes coming to church. And he, just because we have doors on the building and we have Jesus' name doesn't mean he won't come in the door. Because he wants to come in and disrupt what we're doing here. Because he definitely doesn't want anybody in this building to hear this gospel, even if it's for the umpteenth time. He doesn't want us to hear it. And so he is going to come in and try to disrupt. He might sit next to you and disrupt your mind with all kinds of things. 
Amen. So let's just pray right now that God will just take all this stuff. Let's take all those cares and concerns that we think we have right now. Cast all your care upon him right now. Let's pray as a church right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we've come to this place today. We've all come here. We've made our way. We we prepared ourselves. We got dressed. We got up and we drove to the church, Lord, with an expectation of something was going to happen, Lord. Something was going to be different, that we're going to walk away from this building changed today. Lord, you've already worked on us. You've already ministered to us in this place. And Father, you're not done today. You're not finished. Lord, and I bind every spirit, every demon, and every devil, and every devil in hell, Lord Jesus. I bind the prince of this city right now, in Jesus' name, from hindering this service, from hindering the minds of your people. Father, release into them, O God, impartation, wisdom, and knowledge, and understanding. Lord, use me, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's just love Him right now. Let's clap our hands and love Him right now. Jesus, we love You, Lord. We thank You, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. How many knows what serotonin is? It's called the happy drug. Your body makes it naturally. Amen. And you release all kinds of that when you start doing stuff like this. I appreciate that message by Brother Black. But it's true. Your brain really does do that. So that's why worship is so important. Amen. We need to worship Him. Not just worshiping so we can not have everybody watch us worship. But we need to worship Him. Amen. If we could turn in our Bibles this morning. Is it still morning? Yep. Psalms 139. Verse 1. Hallelujah. Psalms 139, starting in verse 1. And it says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. And this is, this is from the, to the chief musician, a psalm of David. So this is David talking. Okay? Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest... My thought afar off. He understands where we are. Even when nothing makes sense in our life. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high. I cannot attain to it. Well, just when you think you've got God figured out, you don't have God figured out. His, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Amen. I, we just cannot attain to it. Our wildest imagination doesn't even scratch the surface. Whither shall I go from my spirit? Or whither shall I free from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. Anybody ever been there? In that low place, it's surely it's just so dark, I, don't, I can't see where I'm going. Surely if the dark, the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. 
It's pretty dark when darkness is light. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, and the night shineth as the day. That The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Since he created them, that makes sense, doesn't it? For thou hast possessed my reins, my innermost being. Thou hast possessed it. He owns our innermost being. I am not my own, right? I am. We are bought with a price. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. He was even there in our, in our mother's womb when we were there. He already had a plan for us. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully... Everybody say this together. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity today to minister in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. You can be seated. Amen. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm going to say that over and over today because I want you to understand, I don't care if you've been in church all your life or if this is your first pony ride, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And this applies to every single person out there that's never even heard this gospel. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. The dirtiest person out there, the most filthy alcoholic, the prostitute, whoever they are, they were and are fearfully and wonderfully made today. That word made in the Hebrew means to distinguish, literally or figuratively, put a difference, show marvelous, separate, set apart, sever, make Wonderfully. So we were not just some afterthought, but he made us unique, each one of us individuals. We're not like cars and electronics that are coming down an assembly line. We're not like so many iPads and iPhones that are falling off the end of the assembly line. Every one of them looks like every other one. Everyone functions like every other one. They all look the same. We're not like that, but we are unique and special in his sight. He is able to individually and personally love each one of us. Amen? You don't, Sister Martha, you have six children. But you are able and your husband are able to individually love and, and nurture each one of your children according to their own bent, according to their own unique personality. You can't raise children all exactly the same. It doesn't work. Because one personality won't respond to this, but this one will. And so each one is unique. Amen. And so we are his unique creation. He set us apart. He made us different than the rest of the creatures on this earth. Genesis 1 and 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And it says that 
talks about how we, we, He formed us from the dust of the ground. That word formed means through the squeezing into shape. To mold into a form, to, especially as a potter. Fashion, form, frame, make. Anybody ever worked with clay before? Anybody ever worked with mud before? Man, we used to make the best mud pies. I don't know if we ate them or not, but they were the best mud pies. I might have taken a bite maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't make mud without water. It's just dirt. Right? And so the Bible says that he watered the dirt to make it pliable. It says this. And he went to work on man. Because he spoke everything else into existence. He just spoke it. Even the dirt, he spoke it into existence. But he took it one step further. And he looked down at all of his creation and said how wonderful and beautiful it was. But I need somebody to run this operation. And so he said, I'm going to make man in my image and in my likeness. And so the Bible says that he he watered the dirt. He let some dew fall. He made the dirt wet so that he could make mud. And then he took his hands, just like when the ladies went to make that pottery. He took his hands and he molded us and he made us in his image. Has anybody ever seen the picture of Norman Rockwell doing a portrait of himself? I wish I had to put that up. Norman Rockwell, does anybody know who he was? He, he did the artwork for what? Saturday Evening Post, right? He did all of the pictures of the, the little boys playing baseball and all that. He did all those pictures. And in this picture, he's sitting in a chair in front of an easel, and he's looking around the corner in a mirror because he's painting a picture of himself. So he's doing one of these like this. And so when I was studying this, I thought of that, and I thought, that's what God was doing. <laughs> he made us in his image. So I don't know if he had a mirror up there. <laughs> he was looking at himself and going, yep, 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 oh, no, 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 yep, yep, yep. You know, he was making us. He was molding us out of that mud. Now, this may sound funny, but it's true. Now, he was making us in his image. Now, you all look around what we all look like. The only one, the only God on this earth that I ever knew that walked around that looked like this was who? Jesus Christ. Praise God. There it is. Thank you. There it is. He was making us. We weren't. Well, we could wish we could take the pipe out of there, but oh, well. But that's how I that's how we need to view it. God loved us so much. He wasn't just making Adam, Brother Denny. He was making every one of us in his mind. He was forming us. What is what does the book say that we were and we were in our mother's womb? Right. He knew us before we even were formed in our mother's womb, and He gave us the soul that we have. So like clay on a wheel, He formed us. He made us. It was personal. He took personal care in forming every part. He wanted it to be just right. 
Just like I was talking about the serotonin. He made not just the shell, but every part of it to function and to work. And, you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You ask any physician. They cannot explain it. The things that happen in our body. It's just amazing what this computer in between our ears does. Amen. Oh, my goodness. If you can listen to that guy, Brother Blash, he just, he nails it. Our body is special. It's, it's unique. And he chose us. And then when he was all done making us, what did he do? The Bible says he breathed into us the breath of life. And man became what? A living soul. So the breath of God, and it, didn't, it wasn't a long breath. It didn't need to be. He just breathed into our nostrils the first CPR. He gave us the breath of life. Made us a living soul. Made us special and unique in the way that he made us to, to run this place. And so as a living soul, he gave us something special that the other animals and all the creatures in the world don't have. That's a free will. He did. He did. He gave us a free will to choose. And you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the ending. So He already knew. This is what amazes me sometimes. He already knew that we, His precious, special, unique creation, was going to fail. That we were going to fall in sin. He knew that. He had to know that. Right? Yet he did it anyway. He was busy looking at his image. And he already had a plan for the fall, didn't he? Busy looking at his image, forming us in his image. And he knew that we would fall and fail, and he allowed us to have that choice anyway, because he knew we'd need that choice down the road. Amen? And so he knew that we would end up separated from him. Amen? And that's where... Many in this city today, many that are not here today are. They are separated from their relationship with their Creator. Amen. As a result of fallen mankind, as I said, He already knew what He was going to do. And so, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He, but at the same time, when all this is happening, God is so special and so omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, and all He's all-powerful, He's all-everything, He already knew our life. He knew every failure that we were going to deal with. He knew every fault. He knew everything. He knows everything about your life right now. He knew where we were going to be today before we even went to bed last night. He knew if we were going to be dead or not. He already knows about your sister and your sister. He already knows all these things. Nothing surprises him. And so, I'm here to tell you today that there came a day, you know, and we, we can just kind of fast forward through, through all of the Old Testament, and we, we know that God was there with David. We just read about David. David was basically acknowledging in that scripture, I'm nothing. I can do nothing. Everything that's happened in my life, God, you've been there at every step of the way. You guided me when I was running from Saul. You guided me. You, you helped me when everything was gone in Ziklag. You were there for me when they wanted to kill me. You were there. And so David was, was just like us. He, you know, here he was, King David, but he had, 
He had to depend on the God that called him. And so there, there came, and all through the Old Testament, it was testified of this son, this, this child that was going to be born, and this son that was going to be given. And the government was going to be upon his shoulders, and his name was going to be called what? Wonderful. Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Amen. And so we fast forward, amen, into the New Testament. In Matthew 12, verse 10 through 12, it says, And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. I went to high school with a guy that was like that. Kent Tennell. He, he always had a shorter hand than the other one. Went all through grade school and high school that way. I think about him every time I read this scripture. And I think, man, if I could find that guy and go pray for him, it would just blow me away if God would just stretch his. If I could just tell him to stretch his hand out and he could make that hand whole. I think about that because I know somebody like that. And so they asked him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Here come these religious guys again. Amen, these Judaizers. And that, that they might accuse him, as Brother Miller already brought up, that they might accuse him. And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and it shall fall into the pit on the Sabbath day, and he that he and will will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is man better than a sheep? I hope so. (laughs) We what's God saying here? What's Jesus saying here? How much better are we than an animal? And we would expect to go pull our animal out of the pit if it fell in there on the Sabbath day. Wherefore is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath days? Amen? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. If I can get my paper to cooperate. So somewhere today in this world, maybe in this city, maybe over at Brother Boyd's church, maybe in a church in Milwaukee, maybe at a church in Chicago, who knows? But somewhere today, God is working a great miracle and a mighty healing in somebody's life. Right now, while, we're, while I'm standing here preaching and teaching, somebody's getting healed. Somebody's receiving a, a miracle in their life that they were not expecting to receive. I'm talking about there's somebody out there that's getting a healing right now that the doctor said there's no healing for that. There's no, there's no, there's no cure for that. We're only going to give you six months to live. Right now, the same God that was speaking right here in this scripture is right out there right now because that life that's going through that, whatever they're going through, whatever sickness or disease they're, they're dealing with, God is standing there saying, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're special to me, and I'm going to honor your faith and heal your body. Jesus, the God of the universe, robed in flesh, was willing to do whatever it took in those days. If you you read through the Gospels and all that he did, he went everywhere. He was willing to do whatever it took to save a life, to heal somebody and deliver them. Amen. This man in this story was his creation. He was made in his image. Jesus went about looking for people like this, looking for opportunities. Amen? Do we have to bring them here for them to be healed? No. God can heal them right out there on the street. Right there in the middle of Walmart. We keep referring to Walmart all the time. 
it's our second place to hang out besides church, maybe. I don't know. Amen. But he was fearfully and wonderfully made in the sight of the one that created him that was standing right in front of him. And Jesus was trying to send a message to these religious people. He loved them too. He was trying to save them. He, did, he didn't stay away from the synagogue. Luke 8, 26 through 35. Luke 8, 26 through 35. It says, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which was over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him a, uh, out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and fetters, and he brake the bands, and he was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because we... Because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. (laughs) God answered the prayer of the devil. Okay? Oh, don't just cast us in the sea. Cast us in the pigs. (laughs) Jesus knew what was going on. He knew they were going to see anyway. Because <laughs> what is it? it says right here, And when the devils went out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place and into the lake and were choked. They went there anyway. Amen. But he answered their prayer. And some pigs won't put up with some stuff people will put up with. And that's not my original line, but I heard somebody say it. It makes sense. Those pigs wouldn't even tolerate those devils. Amen? And when they had fed, when they that fed saw what was done, they, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And so Jesus went out of his way, took a special boat trip to go find a man that was filled with devils. Amen? And we might not think of it that way in our world today, But there's people out there that are on alcohol, that are on meth, that are on some kind of drugs, and they might as well be filled with devils. What do they call alcohol? Spirits. And so for all intents and purposes, they might as well be filled with devils. But Jesus went looking for people like that. And so somewhere this morning, there's an alcoholic that's in a church somewhere that's, that's standing at an altar saying, I'm done. I've been going to AA, but it's not working. I need to be redeemed, completely redeemed. They're seeing it. God is talking to them. And they're saying, all right, enough is enough. There's a drug addict. There's somebody like that today, right now, that God is saying, you are special. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you just realize that, and they're realizing it, and they're coming. John chapter 4, verse 3 through 18 and verse 25 through 29 talks about the woman of Samaria. I'm not going to go there and read it. But it, it talks about the woman. Well, let's, let's go now. Jesus went. He, he told his disciples, I must needs go to Samaria. 
I got to go around the long way around. And they were like, well, why can't we take the shortcut? He said, no, I got something I got to do. And so he went to the well, and this woman at the well was getting water, and, and he said, give me the drink. And, and so they had this conversation, and so pretty soon he said, well, go get your husband. And what did, he, what did she say? Well, uh, I don't have one. He said, yeah, I know you don't, because the one you're with now is the fifth or sixth one you've been with. And you've had five husbands before that. And at the end of this discussion, she says, wow, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And she left her pots and everything there and went to tell everybody in the city. Because he made a special trip and he even told his disciples, go to Walmart. Go get some grub. Get out of here. Get away. I need you to go away so that I can do what I got to do. And what did he do? He used that opportunity to minister to a soul that was special, that was precious in his sight. He went to her in her situation, her circumstance that she was in the middle of. And he said, I'm going to minister to you. And he, he spoke to her situation. He wasn't afraid to be honest with her. Tell her the truth. Sometimes you, want, you don't want to tell people the truth because you think it might hurt them. But if I was, that was me, I'd rather you tell me the truth than you know, beat around the bush. So he went and told her the truth and he went and ministered to her. He said, I'm going to give you something, water that you'll never thirst from. And so he went to that place, and so somewhere today, there's somebody just like that in a church service. Somewhere that's been in illicit relationships, one after the other, can't find peace, can't find happiness, because you really can't find peace and happiness in those kind of relationships until you get in the relationship with the one that created you. And so somebody today in a church somewhere is, is, is falls right into this this scenario that this lady's been through, they've been through several marriages and they're not happy and they can't find peace and somebody's been preaching the gospel to them. Some neighbor, somebody they work with, somebody that's coming into their store every day has been telling them about Jesus and finally one day they said, you know what, there might be something to this and they make their way. They make a decision. We were talking earlier about our free will. We have that free will to choose. I still do, you still do. We all still do. We have to decide every day to get up and say, I'm living for God today. I'm going to church today. I'm going to work today. I'm going to get out of this bed and pray. We've got decisions that we make every day. And he gave us that free will, and we're making that free will choice to serve him. And there's somebody today that just like this woman that is making that free will choice today, Acts chapter 8, verse 9. This is talking about a guy named Simon. Acts chapter 8, verse 9. It said, But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some great one. To whom they all gave heed for the least, from the least to the greatest, saying that this man is a great power of God. They were confused. They were confusing something else with the power of God. And to him they had regard, because that a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when, the, when they believed Philip preaching and the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. Wow. And when he had, was baptized, 
he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. And so somewhere today, and I've, I've heard testimonies of this from missionaries. Uh, it, you hear about it more overseas than here. But we have witches and things like that and, and devil worshipers and people like that in this country. But the, I've heard this more overseas of witch doctors that were just, just had the people in a, a village just freaking. Just, they just had them under their control. And one of our preachers would come in there and begin to preach this gospel. And pretty soon, long story short, there's the witch doctor in the church service. And God's filling him with the Holy Ghost and he's getting his eyes open. And I believe that's happening right now because God, the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. So he doesn't care what your circumstance is. He's not going to just push that person to the side and say, I like this person because they smell better or they look better or they act better. They're not, they don't have all their problems and issues in their life. They're, they're just kind of easy. So I'll just take the easy ones. No, he went away from the easy ones. He went after the hard ones. Amen. Look at every one of his disciples. I'm not going to go through that whole study with you. Every one of his disciples was a challenge to him. But he went after them. He made them his leaders. And he spent time with them. Pulled them out of their mess and got them walking down the right path. And so there's somebody today that's a witch doctor, that's a, that's a you know, a, a demon worshiper, a devil worshiper, a witch Amen. We still have Wiccans and witches and all that kind of stuff. That's not all makeup. That that stuff is real. There, there's people out there that are probably praying against this church. They're devil worshippers, and they just might as well give up. <laughs> the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. Period. End of story. And you know, Jesus doesn't. He even was interested in the wealthy people, the ones that were well off. When he went to the cross and he, he died, he had nowhere, there was nowhere to bury him. Right? So they, where, were, where were they going to bury him? Well, this, this man, Joseph of Arimathea, shows up. Well, he was a scribe or, or one of these wealthy people like that, but secretly he believed in Jesus. He just didn't make it very public. And he and who else but Nicodemus, who came to Jesus on in the book of John and said, Hey, we know that thou art... Uh, you're a teacher come from God, and we know that, that, that these things can't be except they come from God. And so these two men, who were well off, very, very successful, very influential in, in their society that day, they showed up to take care of Jesus. And, and jo- Joseph of Arimathea buried him in his own grave. That scripture might be fulfilled. And so Jesus even cared about these guys. He didn't run Nicodemus off when he came to him. He answered his question, and he answered questions he wasn't even thinking of asking. And so here we are today. We've made a decision. We've come to the house of God. I don't care if you were raised in this or if this is the first time you've ever been here. If you were raised in this, there came a point in time in your life where you had to make a decision. I can't say that that I was saved because of my parents, because... But my sons couldn't say that they were saved just because I was in church, Brother Parker. I knew that there came a day they had to choose, even though they went to every church camp, every youth camp, every service. They went to every. They did everything I could put them in to keep them around the people of God and the things of God. But I knew that they could make a choice. 
And I knew of preachers and, and men of God out there that to this day have children that are out of church, and I don't understand that. But I, the one thing I do know is they have a choice to make. And so we have to, we've made a choice to be here today. Some have chosen not to be here today. And that's their choice. And God honors that choice. But in his mind, they too are fearfully and wonderfully made. He would that all men might be saved. He, he doesn't want anybody to go to that place. We don't like to talk about it. It's called hell. Amen. And the Bible says that hell was created for who? And it's, if, you, if you really study out what hell is, it is a really bad place. And those that go there, the souls that go there are going to spend eternity in that place. And the Bible, throughout the New Testament, Jesus tells them, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what does that mean? Anybody ever grind their teeth? We've all wept, I'm sure. And so there, what I believe is there is going to be such a, a weeping and a gnashing of teeth there because we are going to know those that go there, I shouldn't say we, but those that go there are going to know that they made a decision and they can't go back and change it. Because there is coming a day when we are going to go before the judgment seat of Christ and some are going to be cast into that place. And they are going to spend eternity in a place that wasn't created for mankind, for the, for the creation, the special creation that God made. And they're going to be living with the decision that they made, the knowledge that they made that decision and they can't go back and change it. And they wish they could. We should be so thankful today that we made that decision because we are his creation. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are precious in his sight today. Somebody loved us enough. They might not have loved us individually, but they had the love and compassion of Jesus Christ that he put in their heart when he filled them with the Holy Ghost. To go out among the highways and the hedges and compel us to come in. Somebody compelled me, Brother Miller, to come in. Somebody took the time and prayed for me. Somebody took the time and taught me a Bible study. Somebody took the time and fellowshiped and brought me into this kingdom. And so the Savior, I'm coming to a close, the Savior is honoring and respecting the decisions of people today. Now, you might be sitting in this room today in the sound of my voice and saying, well, I'm here in the building, so I must be okay. Right? But there's a lot of people sitting in a lot of churches that are not okay. They're not where they need to be. And I will be the first one to raise my hand and say, I'm not where I need to be. I need to be closer to him. I need my prayer life to be deeper. I need to have a closer walk. I need to spend more time in his word. I'm never satisfied with where, where I'm at in God right now. And so, but he gave me, gave you that free will choice today. And so we have to choose every day. It's not just enough for us to choose to come to church. 
and punch our little clock and say, I came. I'm here. Okay, time's up. I'm out. See you next week. That's not good enough. Amen. The Bible talks about they love me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. They're out there somewhere else doing something else while they're sitting in the house of God. And I can honestly tell you that I've been guilty of that. Not here, but I have been guilty of that. I have let myself slip. I have let myself become complacent in my walk. I have allowed myself to almost get to that place where I almost let the devil talk me into just saying, forget it. Nobody else but me has ever been there, right? Right? Oh, only Barb. She's the only one that raised her hand. (laughs) Praise God. At least two of us anyway. I know. We're just... (laughs) The God of glory knows all things and is not limited to space, to time, or to our circumstance. He's reaching out even to you today. Now, I don't know where anybody is in this place. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know where you are in the natural. I don't know how much money you have in the bank. I don't know anything about anybody in this room, but I know somebody who does. He created you. And David just talked about it in Psalm 139. You can't go anywhere without him knowing about it. You can't think anything without him knowing about it. You can't say one word and he doesn't even already know about it. He knows our form and our shape. He knows where we're at psychologically, everything. And so I'm telling you today, now, you know, we're going to have an altar call. We're going to give you an opportunity to come up here because I know as soon as I'm done, I'm going to get to the altar because I'm not where I need to be. And I know God is aware of where I'm at. Today, Revelation chapter 3, verse 18 says, I counsel thee to buy me gold, buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and, and white, uh, be rich and white raiment, and that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, and thy, thou mayest see. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So when we repent of our sins and we go to the the baptismal tank in Jesus' name and we receive the baptism, it's okay to just stop repenting right there and right now. We're, We're done. Right? No. That's not true. The answer to that question is repentance is an ongoing affair in our life because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every day that you wake up in this flesh, you're going to fall short of the glory of God. And the devil is going to come into your mind and say, see, you're worthless. See, you can't even live for God right. See, what good are you? And you need to remember that scripture. You need to turn right to to Psalms 139. You need to read that scripture out loud to the devil. And you need to say, devil, you listening to me? Here we go. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Get out of my face. Because he's going to come to you, I'm telling you. He comes to me almost daily and tries to tell me how worthless I am. Anybody else ever experienced that? Amen. (laughs) I can, 
Brother Richard's trying hard to get his arm up there. (laughs) But we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He does not want us to succeed, but we, greater is he, the Bible says, what? That is in me. And I remind the devil this. He tries to come in my prayer time, Brother Miller, and tries to interrupt my prayer time. So don't tell me the devil's not. He, he comes, and I know it's him because those are thoughts. I'm thinking, where did that come from? That, that wasn't from God. And so we need to be prepared. We need to be fighting against him every day because he's going to come at us until the day that the Lord comes. But we need to remind him that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And Brother Miller, I'm coming to a close. If any man, and that doesn't just mean males, if any man, any human, hear my voice. You know, the Lord's talking to us every day. Sometimes we're just not listening. But he's always talking. And that's my, my desire. My goal is to, that God will give me a, 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 a way, uh, ears to hear. A, a way to, that I can really comprehend that it's Him talking to me. And I know the minute He's speaking, I know it's Him and I shut up and I listen. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And so the decision, even in that scripture, is up to us. If you've ever seen that picture of Jesus standing on the one side of the door knocking, there's no handle on the door, that little card that some other religious group hands out. But it's a good picture. He's knocking. He's knocking. Every day he's knocking. That Larnell Harris sang a song a long time ago, I miss my time with you, those moments together. I need to be with you each day, and it hurts me when you say you're too busy. He's not just knocking on the door of the drug addict and the drunk, and and sometimes they're just turning the music up louder because they don't want to hear God knocking on their door, but we can be guilty of that too. Well, I'm busy doing busy stuff, God. I'm, I'm busy. I'll get to you in a minute. We can be guilty of that. But he will come in and sup with us if we'll just open the door and let him in. I guarantee you, if you'll devote time, spend time with the Lord, it'll pay you back dividends you don't even realize. You have no idea the payback for that. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even so, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear... Today, and there's going to be people listening online, so we don't know who this is going to touch today. Whenever Brother Miller teaches, Brother Parker preaches, whenever somebody gets up here and ministers, you've got to remember somebody else out there might be listening to this. Amen. I can't tell you how many messages that have affected my life that somebody preached at a conference somewhere else and I heard it five years later. But it spoke to me. And God is just that way. He can permeate the limitations of media, and he can still make a message, have an anointing in the life of somebody listening to it five years later. So the Spirit has been knocking on the doors of everybody in this service today. And I'm giving you an opportunity right now to come to this altar right now. I'm going to make it simple. We need to come to the altar right now. 
Amen. There, there should be a flood of people coming to the altar right now because every one of us needs to find that place where we say, you know what, I'm not where I need to be with God today. This is your opportunity. He is knocking on your door. You know, God's already been dealing with some people in this building before I ever stood up here and opened my Bible and started reading. He's already been dealing with you before you ever got out of bed this morning. He's been dealing with you all week. Go ahead, brother. He's been dealing with you all week, and now you come in here, and he's dealing with you about the same thing again and again and again. And you know what? He's not going to keep knocking. Pretty soon he'll just take it that you're busy. He might come by every now and then and knock. But you know what? He said that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why would you not want everything from him that you can have today? I want you to I want you to take the opportunity to come. I'm going to pray right now. And if we if you want to just everybody wants to close their eyes or whatever you want to do so we don't have to see what the other person's doing, but I I want I believe there's somebody here that God's been dealing with that God wants somebody to come and get their life right and get their their face before God today. God is, He's a great God. He's a mighty God. He's omnipresent. He has created every one of us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why would you not want to enhance that relationship with your Creator today? Father, we love you.